Take a seat tonight as we get ready to jump into this lesson. And um, I'm going to kind of jump on to uh, some stuff that we heard. I tell you, I thought I said it, but I, I felt like that was a, a great closer for regeneration on Sunday. Um, I thought uh, that what a reminder it was, and I had something down that I had written a few months ago that um, just a thought that, that uh, as I was reading one morning, the Lord began to put some different passages of Scripture together, and for me to look at, and you know, uh, I like to know how to do things. Um, you know, it's one thing to say, "Man, I, I, I want to fix that," but if I don't know how to do it, I can't fix it. I like to know how to do things. Some things I look at and say, "Whoo, I'll let somebody else do that." <laughs> if it's you know, there's some things that uh, I don't want to fix sewage lines. I don't need to know how because I don't want to do that. Uh, there's some things I don't want to fool with, but there are some things that I'd like to know how to fix. I'd love to know how to do it. And, uh, you know, I realize that there are some things I will never do. Brain surgery. I'm not going to replace anybody's heart. Uh, don't have any desire to do that. That's, that's too much responsibility. But there's a really there's a great responsibility on the church that uh, Jake brought to us and that was about putting people back together and reaching people and uh, but and this is not to say well he left out something this is uh, this message is just helping us understand maybe a little more uh, you know this may be a, a late tag in but this is like tag team and maybe um, knowing what that entails and how can I do that you know uh, it's more than because it's got to be more than just wanting to be able to do it you got to know how to do it and you got to know what the scripture says about doing it if you want to be effective in it because there's nothing worse than wanting to do something really bad and thinking you can just do it and then messing it up and guys a lot of times or you know there's a lot of things that we say I don't need the instructions and we find out we did I don't need directions, or we find out we did. You know, and uh, there's nothing worse than, uh, you know, oh, I know where I'm going. It's got to be this way. Then find out you went an hour out of the way, and now you got to drive an hour back to get back on. You know, a lot of wasted time, a lot of wasted gas, a lot of wasted energy, all because you just didn't know what you were doing. And so um, tonight I'm going to read, uh, open up Galatians chapter 6. And read these first four verses and uh, just look through here for a moment. It won't, probably won't be very long tonight. This, like I said, this is almost like a, a epilogue of of what he preached. But I feel like it will help us tonight to look at some things and give us a little encouragement to, to realize that we are able, uh, you know, to help people. Some people think I can't help anybody, but that's not true. Uh, by just by the way God designed it, Him saving you gives you ability to help somebody else. It was put in the plan that if He washes you and fills you and changes your life, you have now there's a light shining that the only way it doesn't work is if you cover it up. And there's a light there that somehow, some way, you're able to help somebody and, and let them see. That there's a way out of the darkness. So uh, Galatians uh, 6 and 1. Brethren. Talking to the church. Number 1. If a man be overtaken in a fault. Ye which are spiritual. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself. Lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing he deceiveth himself but let every man prove his own work and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another and so i want to talk to us tonight about being a spiritual restorer let's pray for the lesson lord thank you tonight for 
given us the ability. And Lord, let us have a burden to be that restorer, to be the one who's going to help somebody and have compassion on somebody. Help us to just receive from your word tonight and learn and grow and have a better knowledge of who you are and who you want us to be. And we ask it in Jesus' name and everyone said amen. Would you give him one more hand clap? Thankful for his word tonight. So, being a spiritual restorer, not being someone that's just restoring spiritual or spirits, but you want to be a restorer who is spiritual, is what he's saying. Because you who are spiritual restore. I don't want to be a carnal restorer. I don't want to just be you know, carnal-minded and fleshly-minded and restoring people back to the world. Because there's those, some of them people out there. Uh, I want to be uh, a spiritual restorer. But when I uh, think about, there's a, an overall uh, scripture that kind of popped in my head thinking about this lesson and. The Bible tells us that time and chance has happened to us all. In other words, there are things that all of us are going to be affected by, partakers of. And you walk this walk, uh, there's just some events that it comes to us all. Nobody gets to say, not me, never happened um, we are all concluded in these things. If he is the savior of all men, then all men needed saving. That's the fact. Uh, so we know tonight that some things happen to us, maybe not all at the same time, maybe not all the same frequency, and maybe not all at the same pace, but uh, things do happen to us. It's just like I can tell you right now that there's not a single person in this room that has never fallen down. Now it may have been uh, it may have been a long time since you've fallen down. Maybe you know we know that the, it's a lot more frequent when we're kids, uh, especially as we're learning to walk. But then as we're kids and we're running and playing and we're doing things, we you know we fall, we run, we trip. We don't have that balance yet. And so, but as time goes on, it's less and less. But I guarantee you that there's not a single human being on the planet that has never fallen unless they have never walked. Now, if they were born where they can't walk, then that's a whole other story. But anybody who has uh, two legs that will carry them, you can guarantee they have found themselves face down on the ground. And you may think that as you get older, and now, you know, I've got, uh, I like to think that over the years I've had good coordination, good balance. I played a lot of sports, did a lot of things. Uh, You know, I climb trees and do things. I feel like, you know, I've got a pretty good handle on keeping myself upright. But I will promise you this, that there is something somewhere that will make you fall. Uh, I know one, one day I came here, uh, walked in that side door, and I was carrying a lot of things. And I had memorized the way that back room was laid out. And so the light switch is on the other side of it. I'm carrying my stuff, and I kind of let my eyes adjust, but it's dark. And I'm like, I'm just going to walk right to it. The next thing you know... Stuff is flying. I'm on the ground, and I'm like, what happened? I was instantly mad. I was was hurt. I was like, you know, it was like, are you kidding me? You know, I am almost 50 years old. I don't fall. But something was in the way. I didn't see it. It was dark. I was in a place, you know, instead of turning my flashlight on my phone or doing something, oh, I know where I'm going. And you can get so confident in yourself that you get a little careless and uh, you think a little more of yourself than you ought to. And you find yourself back into the situation that children find themselves in. And uh, so we, I'm telling you this because we don't ever get past something being able to happen to us. Now, when I read this instruction that Paul is giving, he has um, talked to the church 
at Galatia about people coming in and changing their minds and trying to preach other doctrines and other gospels. And he even mentions in the prior chapter that you did run well. There was a time you, you were running well, but now somebody has hindered you and something has happened to you and this persuasion is not of the one who called you. So something has gone on and now you find yourself not running. You need to be restored. But he goes on to talk about people walking in the Spirit and living in the Spirit and, and then uh, talks about the fruit of the Spirit and he gets to chapter 6 here and he says, Brethren... Church people, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. The first thought that I grab from this right here is that people are not beyond help. Because he just said that they are able to be restored. That people are not hopeless, that they can be restored. And while we always throw the whole load on the Lord, the brethren are the ones able to help bring restoration. Brethren, if a man is overtaken, ye which are spiritual. Now, he's either talking to a certain group of people or that ye is all-inclusive, which I feel like if they're the church, they should be spiritual. If they're brethren, they should be spiritual. If you claim to be born again, then you should be spiritual and not carnal. And so uh, I think that everyone who has been born again, born of water, born of the Spirit, has the ability to help restore somebody back to walking right, to running well, to getting back to the persuasion that God called them to, it's in us. He's put it there. Now, I know that I cannot do it without him. Jesus said to his disciples that without me you can do nothing. I understand that uh, I cannot bring them to God without him. I cannot bring them. It's still, the, the principle is there, no man can come to the Father but by him. I can't bring anybody to Jesus without him. I can't do that. Uh, I need him. Uh, but I can't just throw it all on him. You know they need to be saved, Lord. I need you to go get them. You know, we which are spiritual, which are involved in a spiritual lifestyle, we need to make sure that we understand that we have something inside of us. We are equipped we are not helpless we are equipped to do this but we must be spiritual to make it happen believe it or not you can fix fleshly faults by spiritual means because we know that the flesh and the spirit are war against each other but the spirit can kill the flesh, if we submit to the spirit. That enemy, that devil is always appealing to our flesh. But the scripture says that if I submit to God, then I can resist the devil and he will flee. God is a spirit. When I pray, then I am building up myself on my most holy faith. I am helping myself to stay spiritual. If I forget to pray, I will begin to falter. Or if I forego prayer and forego church and studying and spiritual things, I will begin to falter. Let me tell you, if you stop, if you, man, if you just commit yourself and you work out and you just, man, all of a sudden, next thing you know, you look in the mirror, you're like, yeah. Man, you're just, you know, breaking shirts and all kinds of things. Man, you're just like, look at me. You want me to tell you something? It don't stay. When you quit, so does it. Now, I could show you pictures of me back before I got in church, and you'd be like, man, pastor, you was like bodybuilder. I'm not like a bodybuilder anymore. I'm more like the Pillsbury Doughboy. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get any more than that. But let's, But, I mean, I know, but... 
I quit. And when you stop, arms that used to be here go back to here. Things that used to be up here drop to here. It's, you just get, you get flabby, you get, that's it. You get, it's just what happens. You, it quits. You quit, it quits. You quit on God, all them benefits stop. There's grace and mercy available, but when you stop praying, you, you stop reaping the benefits of prayer. Jesus said, when you pray, when you pray, then he, he concludes that little part in Matthew by saying, your father will reward you. When you fast, your father will reward you. When you give, your father will reward you. And so, but if you're not giving, praying, and fasting, then where's your reward? And so, being spiritual is a life that we live after we, we're born again of that spirit and filled with that spirit. Now we are to live by that spirit. And so we have to keep it up. And spiritual living will help you conquer fleshly things. It will. It's whatever you it's, it's it's whatever you invest in is what's going to be greater. If you spend more time, we say this of course our young people all the time. If you spend more time out in the world and out with with you know friends that are not in church, things like that, you're headed in their direction. They're not headed in yours. It's you've got to be involved in spiritual things. And since the church is in the business of restoring people, because we have been restored. God is that spirit, that spirit that saved us, changed us, lives inside of us. Now he says, you're going to do the things that I do. When Jesus said, hey, the things I do, you're going to do in greater things. Guess what part of that is? That's restoring people. He walked it and talked it and lived it three and a half years of his life that we read about. We see him walking around and restoring people because he was doing spiritual things. And he had a lot of spiritual answers for a lot of physical ailments. And so today, uh, we have spiritual answers for physical faults. But, you know, some people don't want to hear that. I had a person years ago, not long after we started the church, was going through something, and we would were, had been counseling, and finally one day uh, this person came, was going, same problem, same thing, and, and before could even see anything, said, I don't, they said, I don't want to hear nothing else about the Bible, about what Jesus can do. I don't want to hear no more spiritual stuff. I just want an answer. Well, there ain't no other answer. You know, you know what people do when they run out of the answer? They start drinking. They start drugging. They start acting like a fool. They start turning to carnal things to try to fix what's wrong with them. But carnal things will never fix carnal problems. It's going to take spiritual guidance, spiritual restoration. It's going to take that spirit. It is the spirit that quickens us. It's the spirit that's going to raise us up one day. It's the spirit without the body, without the spirit's dead. The flesh, uh, you know, this body can't even live without a spirit in it. So the, it's so important that we understand that anything you do outside the spirit, it's just dead. And I've been dead in sin. I don't want to be back to being dead in sin. Now I am dead to sin, alive unto God. Who is that spirit? So what has happened to all of us is that uh, we are, now that we're born again, we have been given an ability to be a spiritual restorer. And so if a man be overtaken in a fault, another point here is that, hey, they're part of us. You know, most of the time, he said if they're overtaken in a fault, that means at one point they were running good. Like you said in the previous chapter, you did run well. He said if a man is overtaken in a fault, you which restore. So that means he was at a good place. He lost his place. I got to get him back to his place. That means they're part of us, part of the body, the people that I worship with, the people I pray with, the people that sung beside me in the choir, the people that preached to me on Sunday, the preached that people that taught in Sunday school, or they were the ushers or the greeters or the sound people or or grass cutters or whatever, but they were part of the church. And they were overtaken. And in my mind, I try to picture things in my mind to help me 
you know, explain things sometimes. And I thought, well, if he's talking about running, you talk about people running in a race. If you're running a relay race or something, you're on a team and you hand off the baton, here goes one guy. Well, here comes this other guy that just blows right past him. He's overtaken. And maybe he loses that leg of the race. Do you kick him off the team? You know how fast he can run. Maybe he's just having an off day. You know how, how much he's trained. You know how much he loves doing this. You know he, how much he wants to win. Do you kick him off the team or do you say, come on, man, we're just going to train a little harder? Hey, it's all right, bud. Everybody has that day. Do you, do you comfort him? Do you work with him? Do you tell him it's all right? And you restore him. You get his confidence back. You, you work with him. You help him train. And next time, he's running good again. That's what happens. And that's what happens in church sometimes is people get overtaken. Something happens, something gets them, they get comfortable, they, they, uh, start, uh, you know, getting a little slack here or there, a little careless here, just like walking in the dark, find yourself face down with your shin bone hurting. Yeah. Ain't nothing worse. And, and, and if Anthony was here, he'd tell you, I broke that amp, it was his amp, and that's what had happened, is he had moved it and set it. See, I, but I would, I didn't know he did that. If he hadn't done that, so I could blame it on Anthony. That's what people do, ain't it? Yeah. It, you said something in there. Why don't you turn the light on, you idiot? And then you wouldn't, you'd have seen it. You know, so I, but we like to throw the blame somewhere else when we fall. Because, hey, we don't fall. Kids fall. People that's babies fall. People that don't know what they're doing fall. People who are sick fall. I don't fall. Uh, though a good man fall That's what the scripture says. Uh, these things happen to all of us and can happen at any time. And I have found out that I have fallen more than once in my 40s. Maybe I think that I got it down so good I don't have to pay attention so much, but I have tripped and fell and, whew, you know, it's tough. It's a lot, you know, I'll tell you, it's a lot tougher when you're older when you fall because there's a lot of things that run through your mind when you're older. When you're a kid, you fall, you just, you, you cry for somebody to pick you up. When, when you're older and you fall, you get mad and, and things want to come out of your mouth. And you have to be like, oh, I can't say that. I cannot say that. Nope. And so, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot harder. There's, there's, there's a spiritual side to falling down when you get older. Because not only are you hurting Jesus to heal my shin bone, but keep my mouth shut too. So you need some virtue for your leg and some virtue for your tongue right there. It's, uh, it happens. But it happens to all of us. And so uh, understanding that is, is where I'm coming to now is that now that we realize that, look, these people are part of us. And just because they've been overtaken doesn't mean it's over for them. Oh, mercy. Just because they've fallen doesn't mean it's over for them. Just because they've made a mistake doesn't mean it's over for them. The Scripture is telling us here that there should be an army of restorers, of spiritual people who can restore those that have fallen and not just be writing them a bus ticket out of here. So once they've fallen down, that doesn't mean it's over. They're overtaken, but they're not done. They've still got something in them. They can still go. So we need to be that person that helps them go. You know what happens to those that don't get restored? Those are the ones that end up backsliding because nobody cared. Nobody, it's like he said Sunday, the tragedy is not that they fail, it's that nobody was there. You know, there's a, a story in the scripture about a man that's laying at the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus said, well, will you be made whole? Well, I don't have a man. And I've preached on that before. I said that from that aspect, I said, the things that go undone when there is no man. When nobody is willing to help, uh, people lay around sick and infirmed. They can't get... Somebody ought to help you. It was that's sad that that man has been sick all that time, but nobody helped him. And, and that's what happens when we become no man. When we become no man, things go undone. And so I don't want to be the no man. I want to be the spiritual man. I want to be that, that uh, person who is like, hey, you can make it. You can do it. But you've got to be spiritual. You've got to be spiritual. It's going to take more than pats on the back. It's going to take some prayer. It's going to take you showing the fruit of the Spirit, some love and some gentleness. It's going to take some long-suffering uh, because they might stumble again. So you, ever, you ever fallen down and got up and didn't quite have your balance and 
if you didn't grab something, you'd have failed again. It was that, uh, you know, your leg was hurt, whatever. Um, you know, it's, uh, or the ground was, you may fall again. You need somebody to be long-suffering. You need somebody to be kind to you. You need somebody to have faith for you. Pray. So there's a lot of things that we want to be as we are restoring people. So uh, in uh, Romans 8 and 13, uh, Paul said this. He said, if you live after flesh, you'll die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So that tells me that the Spirit and having the Spirit, uh, which is the Holy Ghost living inside of us, if through that Spirit we can mortify the deeds of the body. We can conquer what's going on in the flesh through the Spirit of God. Now, well, I've prayed. Well, I've fasted. You know, uh, and I'm not saying that you have it. But oftentimes, have we really put our heart into it? Because he said, seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Don't squeeze me in for help. Don't just squeeze me in for an answer. Don't pencil me into your busy schedule. If it's really that serious, have you really sought me? Or have you just said, look, while I am busy doing my thing, I need a little help here. Help me with this. Uh, are we being spiritual and doing spiritual things? Because uh, through the Spirit, we can mortify the deeds of the body. Now, let me tell you, I believe in the Word. And I believe in the power of the word. I don't believe that uh, I feel like I have miles and miles and miles to go before I am where I want to see myself. I feel like Paul saying I have, uh, I am not yet perfect and I am not complete. I, I hadn't yet attained what I'm reaching for, but I am reaching for it. I am striving to be better every day because I do believe that there is a place that we will get that we will be like Paul. That where even despite the thorns in our flesh, the things that bother us, we will be strong through him. Uh, that we will be able to live and preach and finish our course even with the thorns. Nowhere does it ever say that God removed those thorns. He just said, my grace is sufficient for you. Uh, Paul said at the end of his life, I finished. I finished despite the thorns. Because I trusted God and I held on to him and in my weakness, uh, he was made strong. He was, it was made perfect in my faith in him. So I'm just going to have faith in him and I will beat the things of this world. The things that want to, cause let me tell you, the things in this world are not just trying to kill you and rub you out in the earth. Uh, you know, the, the enemy has no, it's not a big deal if you die here and then make it to heaven. He don't want that. He wants you lost. And whatever you're going through is trying. These light afflictions are for a moment, but let me tell you, if we endure them, then it's a great weight of eternal glory. But if we surrender to them and give up in the middle of them, we lose our soul. And that's what the enemy wants. I want you to be lost. So I want you to, he's going to discourage you. He may not even have caused your problem, but he's going to discourage you in your problem. Because sometimes it is just life. But he's there to magnify how bad life has gotten for you and to try to convince you it's because you're a horrible person and God doesn't love you. And so we combat those things and we learn that through the Spirit we will win. Paul said in Galatians 5 and 16, he said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He said, if you will walk in the Spirit, if you will live your life in the Spirit, you will not do it. You won't do those things. But it's walking in the Spirit. Now, we walk daily with Him. It's got to be a daily walk. If we take a day off, if we take time off from Him, we're going to find ourselves struggling to catch back up sometimes. And we may even find ourselves slipping and falling and in need of somebody else to be a spiritual restorer in our life. And so I want to be that spiritual restorer. I want to be in a place where I can help others. But let me tell you, I know that there is time when I need someone to restore me. That's why uh, it's wonderful if a man finds a wife, he's found a good thing. She's a help meet to me and she's an encourager to me. And the days that she knows that I am having a hard time, she knows me. She knows when I'm struggling. She knows when I'm stressed. She knows that. And that's when she, she uh, you know, 
comes in and encourages me, prays for me, uh, you know, tells me she, she loves me, I can do it, I'm doing good. You know, uh, she, she's there to help me up and to build me up and to restore me and to help me. That's a wonderful thing about being married is having that person in your life that can do that for you. It's wonderful, and thank you, because I need it. Uh, because there's been days where I felt like I am the worst. No, not you, Pastor Shirley. Yeah, me. I know. It's incredible, isn't it? No. Yeah, even me some days. Walk out of here. I've walked out of here on Sundays sometimes just want to go put my head under a pillow and go scream and go, oh, that was I just blew everything today. I need somebody to encourage me. I need somebody because I get in my head, I get in my mind, and I think, hmm. Man, I, Lord, I just need your help today. You know, and, and I do. I need him every day. So I want to walk in the spirit so I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. That doesn't always mean we, we see that word lust and we always think of something terrible, horrible. But it means anything that's of this world. You know, I, I don't want to uh, be caught up in just uh, being conditioned to this world and caught up in the things of this world. And it can be all kind of things. The lust of the flesh, it can be uh, your emotions, your anger. It can be political stuff. It can be job stuff. It can just, you can just be caught up in anything. Right. Now, we have the Holy Ghost. And w- with the Holy Ghost, there are gifts, gifts of the Spirit. There is fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. There are spiritual disciplines that come along with uh, there's consecration and prayer and fastings. And, you know, that, that giving is spiritual. When you give in the church, that's not just a physical act, but that's a spiritual act. Because how can you give and it'll be given back, pressed down, uh, you know, shaken together and running over? How, how is it that that happens? That's a spiritual thing that God does. And this Sunday, we got a couple of testimonies from people that this week that God has just done some crazy stuff, man. And because they felt led to give, the Spirit impressed on them to give something, and they did. And then God gave it back. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that on Sunday when we do our, our statement of faith. But even giving is spiritual because the Lord said, your father will see it in secret. And then he'll reward you openly. He's going to bless you for those kind of things. And so these things, they help us and equip us to be a spiritual restorer. And so uh, restore people. Now, let's go back. This first verse has got a lot in it, I know. And I said I was going to be short, but I'm, I'm going to be close. Uh, I ain't even got off this first page yet. It's just a lot in here, isn't there? So if a man's overtaking a fault, you with your spirit to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Now, and then he goes on, I think, to kind of bring that point home in the, in the next few verses. Bear you one another's burdens, so for the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, that means he's prideful, he's got an ego. When he is nothing, he deceives himself. That's not meek. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not another. In other words, this is not what you do. Is not so you can have a reputation. Even the scripture said of Jesus, with all that he did, he said he did not come to make himself of a reputation. He didn't come uh, to build himself up and to, um, you know, just so everywhere he went. Oftentimes he was like, don't tell nobody what, you know, he didn't, don't say anything about it. Don't, you know, if they start saying, I know who you are, he shh. Quiet that talk down, things like that. He wasn't here to make himself a reputation. When we do these things, we prove our own work, and we can be happy and rejoice in ourselves knowing that we are doing what God called us to do. And it doesn't, we don't need pats on the back all the time or somebody say, hey, look how great they are. We're not doing that so people will lift us up. We're supposed to let people see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. And so there is no greater sense of accomplishment or sense of joy in my life than knowing that what I did was obeyed God, preached the message that he laid on my heart, and then see somebody respond to it or be touched by it or, you know, teach a Bible study and see them say, hey, I'm ready to go to the water and be baptized, you know, and uh, make sure that if you do those things, make sure you're always giving God the glory. You know, that's one thing that makes me a little nervous on social media. You get on there and people get on there and come and say, wow, what a message you preached today. I, I don't like that so much because I don't want people acting like it was all me. And so first comment is glory to God because God gave me that. It's not me. I don't, it's not, I'm nothing within myself. So he said, you need to 
restore the person, but do it in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest you fall into temptation also. Oh, it can't happen to me. Don't you ever say that. Because I just told you, you can get to a certain age and you can still trip and fall. You can still slip up. He said, you need to make sure that you are considering yourself. We are saved by him. And we are saved for ourselves. We, he wants us to be with him one day. But we were not just saved for ourselves. We were saved so that we could help others, restore others, be a light for others. God saved us to be examples in this world so that other people could find him as well. That's what is so wonderful. That prayer we talked about, the prayer of Jesus the other other day, uh, maybe it was last week, where he said, I'm not just praying for these alone, these disciples, but for all them that will believe on me because of their words. In other words, you know, he's saying there's so many other people. I'm not walking around on the earth anymore. I'm not just walking around here going from town to town. These are my people. They're supposed to be going out doing the works that I did in greater things. It's a greater number. It's a greater army. It's a greater church. It's a greater body. It's many members. And so that's what we're supposed to be doing, going out and doing the things that Jesus did and bringing people in all the time. And we have to keep bringing people in because people keep going out. If we stop bringing people in, eventually, you know, once we're, we pass away or we're raptured out of here, there won't be anybody. We've got to make sure we are still doing the work of the Lord. And remember to consider yourself. Don't ever, ever believe that you can't be overtaken. Even that, that, you know, talking about people that could run. You remember that guy in the Olympics a few years ago, that Usain Bolt? How fast he was, and like fastest man breaking all the records. Do you know somebody has beat his records? Has beat some of his times. There's always somebody coming, and if you're not, uh, you know, if you're not staying where you need to be uh, in the Lord, if you're not doing the things you need to, do, if you start letting off, Brother Hart used to tell some of these uh, people that uh, attended our church at Milstead. They lived up in at that time. They were living up around Ohio or somewhere up north, and they would come home and for a while, and then they would be driving back, and he would always tell them, the closer you get to home, pay attention. Be careful because you'll get close to home, and you'll get relaxed, and you won't pay. You know, you're like, oh, I know where I'm at, and you may take your eyes off something, and that's where most of the accidents happen when you're close to home because you get relaxed. But the scripture teaches us the closer we get to be more diligent, to pay more attention. Uh, because as we get closer to home, things are getting worse in this world. We have got to stay uh, diligent and consider ourselves. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's now, well, that's a, there's some stuff in that. That we need to see because he's what he's saying when he says all that means these people that are restoring people at one point in their life have had to have some restoring when it said that God gave apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers they were not all all these pastors apostles prophets teachers they they didn't come through virgin births They've made mistakes. They needed saving. They needed the blood. And I can promise you that they needed some help from the time they were converted to the time they walked to a pulpit or the time they did something. I'm telling you, people need help. People need restoring. People need people to be spiritual restorers. That's why we encourage, pray for ministry. Pray for them. Lift them up because they fight battles and they go through things too. Oh, my pastor's perfect. Don't ever, ever uh, say that. Don't put that on him. Don't put that pressure on him. Uh, pray for him. I, I try to be the best I can be, but but don't uh, put me up somewhere where I'm not supposed to be. Uh, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Though a good man fall, he shall not be. A... So it's over and over in the Scripture. We find that there are things that happens to everybody. Trials and tests in this world said they are accomplished in our brethren. Things go on in people's lives. People have trials. People make mistakes. This army of restorers has been restored themselves at some point. Being spiritual to restore others requires 
us, as it says right here, to do some self-examination. And oftentimes even operation to get us back to where we can help somebody else. And that's where I'll jump over here to see what Jesus says about it. In Luke chapter 6, a little bit of reading here in 36 through 42, uh, there's some points that will help us as spiritual restorers and then some other scripture that will help us to see what it takes to be a spiritual restorer. He said, be therefore merciful as your father is also merciful. Very important quality and also part of the fruit of the spirit. Uh, judge not, you shall not be judged. Condemn not, you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. That's part of realizing that, hey, everybody needs the Lord, and everybody needs a chance. And uh, I'm glad that, uh, you know, I shouldn't just condemn people, because I don't want to be condemned. I don't want to just judge people. I understand about looking at things and calling things by a tree, by the fruit it bears, things like that. But I'm just talking about uh, unrighteous judgment. I want to do that and forgive, and you shall be forgiven. I want to make sure I am forgiving people. Now, give, and it shall be, here it is, spiritual aspect. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you again. It's going to happen uh, to you just like you give out. And so I want to be uh, very generous with my forgiveness. I want to be generous with my mercy. And it's not just, just money he's talking about here, but it's with this spiritual stuff that you've been given, these gifts that's been laid in, in your life. You need to be very generous with mercy and grace and things like that because uh, I, I know I need it. And so I want the Lord to be generous. Who's measuring it out to us? Other people and the Lord. And so I want to make sure it's being measured back to me the same way I measure it out. I don't want to be sitting around, how come nobody's forgiving me? You don't never forgive nobody else. That's why. So he speaks a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? If somebody's not okay, nobody's going to be okay. You know what he's saying? Everybody can't be afflicted and be trying to get somewhere or they're both going to end up in the ditch. The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Now, here's where what Paul was teaching the Galatians about considering themselves, um, how Jesus uh, phrases this. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? That's like a splinter, having a splinter in your eye, and then a railroad tie in your eye. Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. Now, two types of people in verse 41 and 42. In the verse 41, it's people who... Only see everybody else's faults, but don't see their own, but they don't do anything else. But then you have the one, the people in verse 42 who not only see something wrong with somebody else, don't see their own problem, but try to operate on those who are, they feel like are in the wrong, who have something bad going on in their life. That's the blind leading the blind, and both end up in the ditch. Somebody's got to be okay before anybody can get fixed. And this is what he's saying right here, that uh, uh, those, those people that are pointing it out and those who say, hey, come here, come here, let me fix you. And you got that big beam sticking out of your eye. And they can't see clear enough to tell that you're a hypocrite. And they listen to you. Now both of you in the ditch. That's not what he wants us to be. Well, when we ignore the uh, ignore a splinter, it turns it into a beam. If we don't recognize a problem at the beginning, it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so uh, the Lord says, how can you do that? How, how are you talking to your brother, to your church person, the person you sit beside and worship with? Hey, let me fix you. When you got so much going on in your own life, it won't ever work. He said, First, get rid of the beam in your own eye. And then, listen to what it says. And then, 
thou shalt see clearly. If you'll get yourself right, you're going to see clearly how to help other people. But until you get that stuff out, fix yourself, consider yourself, realize that you also are in the need of restoration. It's all right if you have faults. That does not disqualify you from being able to help. This man has a beam in his eye, but it doesn't mean he can't help. He just has to get things fixed before he can help. And so don't uh, ignore the problem. Fix the problem, and then you can do what Jesus called us to do, restore people. You just have to get things put straight before you start working on others. Now, some people may not want you. you know, they may say, oh, I've seen the beam that was in your eye. I don't want you working on me. I know what went on in your life. I don't want you talking to me. And that's a shame because oftentimes that's why people are not so big about just telling everything that went on in their life. Because if I were, you know, if I were to list a lot of things that went on in my life before Jesus, you can say what you want to. Some people, it would change their perception of me even though I've been living for the Lord since 1993. That was before Jesus, but, oh, I can't believe you did that. Yeah. But just last week you were like, whoo, man, that was great, Pastor, but now you want to hardly look at me because that's why you don't go around telling everything. I've had to tell some of these people, look, you don't have to confess everything. You'll say Jesus brought me from a dark place. Don't don't start getting, don't make a list, tell them exactly what happened because it will get in people's minds, create an image in their mind. It's hard for them to listen to you now. But some of the greatest preachers in the world, greatest ministers in the world, greatest singers in the world, greatest uh, music people, greatest Sunday school teachers, sound people, church workers have backgrounds where somebody restored them. And so, listen, just because somebody has had a beam in their eye doesn't mean that they can't be fixed where they can see clearly enough. Jesus just said, get that out of your life, and then you will see clearly how to pull the moat that is in your brother's eye out. You'll be able to help. So you, you won't even have to wonder how to do it. You will see clearly how to do it. If you will fix yourself first. The pr- problem we have is, is working with blurred vision. Working blind. We need to make sure we remember. Oh, not me. I can, I'm, I'm good. I don't need but one eye. No, you need both of them. And you need to get that beam out of your eye. And then you're going to see clearly how to fix somebody else. One of the greatest men in the scripture. Said he had a job of teaching and showing transgressors where they were wrong. And he makes this statement in his psalm and in his prayer of repentance. David, in Psalm 51, I'm going to read just a few verses here. 51 and start at the first. He, have mercy upon me. This is after... The prophet had come and told him that everyone knows, David, what you've done, and God knows what you've done. And, and David was now repenting because of the sin that he had committed with Bathsheba and having uh, her husband killed and trying to cover up the fact that she was with his child. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly. From my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. This is a king talking. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against thee, and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. 
Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. David is asking God, restore me, fix me. Create a clean heart in me. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. You know, I want to stay spiritual. I want to have that spiritual connection with you, God. Keep that there. Uh, don't, don't take it away from me and, and even restore the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with your free spirit. And then after all these things, he says, then will I teach I'm going to be in a position to instruct somebody. I'm going to teach transgressors thy ways. You know who, what transgressors need? Restoration. They need to be restored back to the ways of God. And he said, but I can't do that until I get myself fixed. I need some I need to examine myself. I need to make sure I am looking at my own life and make sure there's no beams in my eyes. I need to make sure I'm uh, getting all the bases covered. I want to make sure that I am, number one, right with you. God, I need to make sure that my heart is clean and that the right spirit is in me. And then I can teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. I wonder how many people had a hard time sitting under David as king after what happened. I wonder how many people that that David talked to after that, that saw people going astray and he'd come up and say, hey, listen, that's not what you, don't talk to me about what I don't need to do, David, because I know, you know, what you've done. But how can you teach somebody about God's restoring power if you've never been restored? How can you tell somebody about something you've never experienced that you don't know about? And, and David knows uh, that he is a man after God's own heart, but he also knows that he is flesh and blood and that he has failed. And it, all the victories that he had won in battle and all the things he had done right uh, in behaving himself wisely and keeping himself, all that gets undone because now there's only... All he can see is ever before me. All I can see is what I've done wrong. All I can see is this terrible mistake I've made. But he comes to God because he says, that one thing is not going to cancel me out. That one thing is not going to stop me uh, from being king. It's not going to stop me. And it's not going to stop me from telling other people, hey, I've been where you are. And so, Lord, when you fix me, I'm not going to try to go in there while I'm still a mess. I'm not going to try to keep living wrong and go in there and tell people to live right. But when you have fixed me, when I've got it right with you, then will I teach. Then I'm going to instruct. Then I can restore after I've taken care of myself. Restored people, forgiven people. People with recently removed beams. That's the people who are restoring others. Yeah. We don't think about it, but you know, and we don't think about it. See, when I most of the time when I read, or even when I think about David, I don't think about him and Bathsheba and what he did. I don't. I mean, you know, when I'm reading about it, yeah. But most of the time, when I think about David, when if I say David Goliath, that's that's like like one of the things over here, or dancing before the Lord with all his might, or you know, it's things like that. That we think about because uh, we look at what he's doing right. Because man, when you're doing it right, it it, uh, it covers things. It, it, you know, and yeah, he had a past. There were things that were wrong, things that were done wrong. He made some mistakes as a dad. There was a lot of things, but he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who would pray, forgive me. He was a, a man that believed in repentance and repenting, and and beyond everything else, being right with God. But he said, I'm not just here to take care of myself. I want to teach other people how to get back to you. I want to tell other people what to do. Uh, So to clearly see what's going on and to clearly see how to fix others, there has to be some operation on us to get us to a spiritual place so that we are wise as serpents and then harmless as doves. 
have wisdom and then to know how to do things, but we are harmless. We're not doing things that are going to hurt people. We're here to restore them. You know, the the scar of of sin is a is a painful reminder of how we missed God. But it is also a superb teaching tool to help others not make the same mistake or either to help others to see that there is help. Because a lot of times people say, you ever been talking to somebody about something going through it and you're trying to talk with them and it's like, yeah, but you, you, you just don't, you know, you don't understand that. And maybe you open up a little bit and say, well, let me tell you, a few years ago, or in my life before the Lord, this is what went on. And, and this is what happened in my life. And, and the Lord really had to step in and he had to get my attention and straighten me out and, and fix me. And so, yeah, I've got a little idea of where you come from. They, I would have never known because that's how good. Because when people are restored, it looks great. Everything looks good. You see a car sitting out in a, in a field, grass growing up through it. It's not restored. Somebody goes and pulls it out of the field, fixes it up, paints it, everything. One day sitting in the driveway. I said, man, when did you get that car? Oh, it used to sit in the field. There's no way that's that car. Yeah, I just restored it. And now I'm driving it. And now it's awesome. And now it's worth a lot of money. And it's valuable. And it's amazing the value that come with restored things. Isn't it? You see things that, you know, people always, oh, yeah, this is this old, you know, old table from, 1896, and I restored it, and it's worth like $40,000. I'm like, just so you can sit at it and eat? Yeah, but it's because it's old and it's vintage and it's, and Ben Franklin ate at it or something. I don't know. You know, it's, but it's got history. It's got something to it. Instead of making firewood out of it, we restored it. And it's valuable and it's worth something. And, uh, you know, it's amazing that, that, let me tell you, when God fixes us, we're valuable because we have experience. And I know the scripture talks about tribulation and, you know, uh, works experience and, or patience and patience experience, experience hope. But, and, and we think that's only for us, but that's also for others. That when we go through tribulation, sometimes we make mistakes. But when we get it right, when we repent and we get things right with God, now we have experience, and experience gives us hope. And not only us, but it gives other people hope. We can pass that hope on to somebody else and say, listen, you can get back to God. Man, we'll never win anybody, any backsliders, if we if we can't uh, talk to them. You know, we talk to them like, well, look, I've never messed up as bad as you have. But, you know, God can still fix you. But I don't do anything wrong. Well, they don't want to talk to you. But when you can sit there and share with them and say, listen, we have all been there. Oh, you don't know? Yeah, I do know. I, I do know some things. And, and I'll tell people sometimes, I'm not going to tell you specifics because there's things that I, I will never utter out of my mouth again. Uh, that uh, I've said it before. There's some things that went on in my life before the Lord that only me and him and maybe one or two other people know about, and I hope they forgot it. And that's where I want it to stay. But I do know uh, what it's like to be lost. And I do know what it's like uh, to have to have the blood of Jesus on my life. And I do know what it's like to have to have him fix me after I came to him. And so just remember that all these brethren, they're not, they got Jesus in them, but they ain't Jesus. He's the only one that has no sin. And somewhere in our lives, we've been restored. And that does not disqualify us from helping others. That makes us a valuable asset. We're broke in. Sometimes things need to be broke in before they work real good. I want to be able to see people. You know, I talked about that. That scar, somebody who, you know, you can tell somebody something. I've, I've used this example a lot, but, but you know, you can tell somebody, hey, don't touch that, especially a kid. Don't touch that iron. It's hot. It will burn you. They don't understand it. I don't get it. They've been burned. 
I don't understand what that means. Or don't touch that stove. It'll burn. You know, now they know. And it could be bad enough that it scars them. But I can promise you this, that every time they look at that scar, they think, not doing that no more. It's painful. But what a teaching tool it is sometimes. And sometimes that's what it takes to get us to listen. That's what it takes for us sometimes. That's what it takes for others sometimes. But sometimes, you know, uh, you can take that and say, you see this burn on my hand? Oh, yeah. How'd you? That's what happens when you touch the top of the stove. Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want. I don't want that. That just looks bad. Yeah, you should have. It was. It hurt bad too. So you know. Sometimes that can be enough. What you've gone through can be enough to instruct somebody. Sometimes they have to learn on their own. But whenever that happens, we can be there. So knowing that our past and the things that's going on in our lives are. Not disqualifying facts that keep us from helping others, but we can still help people. We can still help others. You know, Scripture's full of people that made mistakes, still helped others. Church is full of people that's made mistakes, still helping others. I see people all the time. You you watch them, people just showing the love of God to people, praying for people, and, and you know, without really knowing sometimes, you know that it... Jesus hadn't have got a hold of them and pulled them out of sin, they wouldn't be praying for that person right now. And if Jesus hadn't have worked a miracle in their life, they wouldn't be praying for somebody right now. Whoever's in your mind is your spiritual mentor, your teacher, that, that person that helped you, that preached that message that changed your life. I guarantee you, if you could see that closet they came from and all the skeletons that was in it, you'd be like, wow. But that's how good God is. God makes us those spiritual restorers. Okay, honey, come on to the music. I'm thankful tonight that God would even consider to to use me to preach this gospel or to to reach for anybody to even to utter his name across my lips. But I do know one thing. I need him every day. That old song, I need thee. Lord, I need thee. Gotta have him. I can't do without him. But tonight when she's singing, just open the altar for a few minutes and if you'd like to come and pray. Because one of the main factors in this lesson is that before we can be a help, we've got to get help for ourselves. Maybe tonight we just come and find a place and say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. So I want to be able to help somebody else. I want to be able to be a restorer to somebody. I want to be able to encourage somebody. So I need a little fixing myself. I need a little help myself tonight. Let's find a place and pray.
everybody stand with me agree with me we're all a part of God's body it is his will that every need be supplied you are important to me I need you to survive I pray for you you pray for me I love you I need you to survive I won't harm you with words from my mouth I love you I need you to survive I pray for you You pray for me I love you I need you to survive I won't harm you With words from my mouth I love you I need you to survive It is His will That every need be supplied You are important to me I need you to survive I pray for you You pray for me I love you I need you to survive I won't harm you With words from my mouth I love you I need you to survive I pray for you, you pray for me, I love you, I need you to survive, I won't harm you with words from my mouth, I love you, I need you to survive, it is His will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. Thank you, Jesus. There's a lot of great organizations in the world do a lot of good. Red Cross, Salvation Army, different things like that. But there's not a greater organization with the greatest capability of helping individuals than the Church of the Living God. The hands and feet of the Lord. The mouthpiece of God. And I'll tell you, God's entrusted us with the saving gospel. And gave us a spirit that can help others. I'm thankful to be a part of it tonight. God bless you tonight. Thank you for being in Bible study. The Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday. Looking for a great time of the Lord.